board you game. You keep that in there, I swear to God, I will cut you. <laughs> okay. I'll just keep the one about you cutting me in there instead. <laughs> You're like, jam, jam, you record everything to blackmail material. <laughs> Today on Card Captors. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Manga in Your Ears. You were just listening to the incredibly um, catchy and upbeat opening to the first so- Card Capture Sakura series. Uh, as you might have guessed, we are going to be talking about Card Capture Sakura in this episode, and also one of those new titles about a giant spider. There's multiple manga right now about giant spiders. It has me very worried. Giant uh, spider me a post-apocalyptic tale. Yes, that one. Not the one where a person turns into a giant spider, and not one of the ones with spider monster girls. Like, I'm a little worried that we have to get the specific. <laughs> And again, I'm Helen. Oh, should I say our names? I'm Corey. <laughs> I'm April. We're back don't again. We, don't we usually? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> We've forgotten who we are. Oh, no. So, uh, since I discovered recently that Corey has not read much of Clamp, uh, I decided that we definitely need to jump into this and talk about more Clamp series on this podcast. So we're starting off with one of Clamp's better series, in my opinion. I have lots of clamp opinions. With uh, Cardcaptor Sakura, which was a 12-volume series from the 1990s, sometimes credited with helping to create the Moe phenomenon. And it currently has a sequel ongoing right now, Cardcaptor Sakura, the Clear Card Arc, which we're not going to be talking about right now, since none of us have been keeping up with the manga for that series. And I don't know how the anime is adhering or not adhering to the manga right now, so it's just safer for us to currently ignore that and just focus on the 1990 uh, series. So Cardcaptor Sakura is a magical girl shoujo series, which focuses on Sakura Kinomoto, who is this fairly typical elementary school age shoujo protagonist. She's got a dead mom. She's got a dad who works a lot, but loves her. Her older brother teases her a lot. She's good at some things at school, but not all things, since, you know, she can't be good at everything. She can't be a Mary Sue. And she's got a pretty good life going. And then one day she's in her dad's library in the basement. And she opens up a book that looks interesting and she accidentally releases all of these magical cards, which hold various magical powers in them. And they just sort of run around and start terrorizing her town. Luckily for her, uh, there's a couple of um, guardian creatures associated with these cards. who are supposed to normally help keep them under control. And so one of them, Carabaris, who goes by Carochan usually awakens and is like, Oh no kid, we've got to get these back. Like here, we're going to make you into a magical girl right now. We're going to go capture these cards. And that is the first half of the series for the manga. And yeah, about roughly the first half of the anime as well. Um, there's a couple more cards in the anime than the manga, but so they both follow the same basic plot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The anime, they get up to a full 52 card deck. I think in the manga it was closer to 24, but they both follow the same plot points of Sakura has to go around town, capture the cards. Uh, her friend Tomoyo, finds out about this very quickly, and she is delighted to have an excuse to dress Sakura up in cutesy magical girl outfits and film her adventures. Uh, Sakura also gets a rival in the form of Shaoran, who comes over from China, and he's also got a collect- connection to the cards. 
introducing Jerry to each other is great. And, um, yeah, th- there's a lot going on in some ways. I think more than what's going on in the clear card arc right now. And this is definitely one of the first manga series I read back in, like, high school. And I really, really love the series. I couldn't believe the two of you hadn't, like, read most of it before this. Uh, my first exposure to Card Captor Sakura was actually the Card Captors anime, which was like like oh, the no. dub from from back in mm-hmm. the day, where they tried to make Shaoran the main character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I did I did really enjoy watching that at the time, and I went back when NIS released the Blu-rays and watched that whole anime series and really liked that. And well, I have not read uh, much Clamp. At all, uh, until now, I have watched uh, a substantial amount of Clamp, I think. I've watched Holic and Tsubasa and Cardcaptor Sakura and probably some other ones that I don't specifically remember. And I really enjoyed those, but uh, reading this, at least, uh, gets me uh, deep into the the world of Clamp without having like the weird proportions yet, I think. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I did really enjoy... Reading this version of Cardcaptor Sakura, which is much, much different than uh, the anime version of Cardcaptor Sakura. Like, Shaoran is much less angsty, Maylene doesn't exist at all. And I guess people didn't like Maylene in the anime, which I didn't know about what, until I was like, Where's Maylene to Dana? And she was like, Everybody hates Maylene, why are you asking about her? <laughs> she, she was a little grating at times. I didn't think she was terrible. And she did actually come back in the clear card arc recently in the anime. Man. Um, so let's see. My first exposure to Card Captor Sakura was a while ago. I think that it probably came after Tokyo Pop Sailor Moon. If I remember correctly, Card Captor Sakura might have been advertised in the back of the old mixed volumes for Sailor Moon. So with the mixed volumes back then, the first six were, if, if people still remember that, the first six were the very small versions, sort of the pocket mixed versions. And then the latter six uh, had a totally different design. And I think that's when Tokyo Pop switched over to uh, their, their sort of flipped or original manga. So the, the two sets are totally different from each other. Um, so the exposure that I had to it was the first six, because I think, Card Captor Sakura's 12 volumes. So I'd read the first six, um, but I just read the last six um, in the past 24 hours. <laughs> um, so um, I really enjoyed it. it. It really took me back to uh, to being a kid because I was fairly young. I had to have been like, you know, un- probably under 14, I guess, when I first read it. Um, and then like Corey, uh, I watched some of the anime, but it was super confusing because it was chopped up and they tried to make uh, the guy character, the main character, and it's just very hard to keep up with. And there were considerably um, more cards. Uh, but I like this version, and I remember a lot of the art from when I was younger, and that's what I really love about it. So. Yeah, I never really had much exposure to Card Captor since it was on TV a little bit, but I only saw it when it was on Kids WB since we didn't have cable until I was, like, well into middle school. So I was a little limited in what I could watch at the time. Mm-hmm. And by the time I was reading the manga, um, Tokyo Pop had released everything, like, the normal way, not flipping the pages or doing any weird stuff like that. But I'm surprised, Corey, to hear you say that the anime felt really different for you, since I always thought that um, the two of them, like, they didn't do all the events the same way or in the same order, but, like, thematically they were pretty similar, except for, like, a couple of plot points at, like, the very, very end of the series, which 
always confused me. But yeah, so what what was so different? Is it just that there's more cards? Because we got to sell more toys to kids? Yeah, more cards. Uh, I looked it up when you were talking about it. There are 19 cards in the manga and 52 in the anime. Oh, man. Um, which is, of I course, totally have that toy book with all the cards in it, FYI. I yes. totally bought it like, in high school or college. <laughs> yeah, I used to have it too when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. But the, the big difference is, like, I mean, is yeah, it is very thematically similar in that, like, it is exactly thematically similar, basically. Um, <laughs> but the difference is, I mean, like, they took out uh, a bunch of cards. Well, they didn't take out. They added a bunch of cards in the anime <laughs> version. They added uh, Maylene in the anime version. I think they toned down a lot of the homosexuality in the anime as well. Uh, I don't precisely remember, but I don't... I don't think uh, Yukito and Toya's relationship was as explicit in the anime, and it's... Uh, they're pretty gay in the manga. Yeah, they say outright <laughs> that real. they love each other in the manga. Um, it, it's know. like when you look back on series and you're like, was I just over-imagining things as a kid? And you look and you're like, no, wait, no, that, 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 there's <laughs> one way to read this relationship, and it just was romance. Yeah. yeah, it's obvious now as an adult. <laughs> Uh, and Tomoyo is also very explicit with her love towards Sakura, though she mm-hmm. says that like Sakura loves uh, other people. <laughs> Good save. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the series is old. I don't know if it's like yeah. there are a lot of problematic relationships in Cardiac yeah. Sakura. Like there are at least three student-teacher relationships in the manga. Yeah. Yeah, I think four. Let's see, so we've got Sakura's parents. Yep. We've got Toya and his former teacher. Oh, that's uh, nice. We've yep. got Sakura's friend Rika and their teacher. Yep. And who's number four? four. Errol and Kyle don't count, since Errol is technically not her student. And she just looked like a fucking adult already. You just need to stop looking like a child. <laughs> right, I think that was, that was my fourth. Like, it's like the perception of it that he looks like a student and... Yeah. He's not. He doesn't <laughs> like, seem so to want to change that like, anytime soon. <laughs> he still looks like a child in the clear card arc. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, I want to say that Clamp has made, like, slightly fewer problematic relationships since they've gotten older, but I think they definitely got had less queer characters in there because, like, you read a lot of the relationships in here as very definitely gay. And I feel mm. like they definitely stopped doing that as much in their later series. I'm, I'm sure we're going to get people going, no, wait, but, but no, 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 this is what I feel like. It was like, it, we have a series of like multiple relationships where I think, um, Erica of Okazu has even said that like the Sakura Tomoyo relationship awakened many people to their, um, possibility of, oh, I like this thing. What is this? This is Yuri. Oh. Yeah. It's see, it, I don't, I don't, I haven't read a lot of like recent plan, but I'm like, man, this is like a lot gayer than I remembered. Or maybe, maybe I just didn't. Pay as much attention to it as a kid. I mean, it was obviously there, but I'm like, like, like it was way more than I remember. But I, I mean, I, it was, it, I enjoyed that part of it. I guess I just, I don't remember it being, um, as prominent as it seems like it was now. It seemed like everywhere you turn, I'm like, oh, I didn't know that he liked him and et cetera, et cetera. I just, that was, <laughs> that was sort of a surprise going back to it. So I'm surprised to hear that they don't. That's not included as much anymore because it seemed so heavy in Card Captor Sakura specifically. Yeah, I feel like in their more recent series they'll do things like, oh, there's two dudes of each other and they have chemistry, maybe for the fangirls. But that's kind of more it. Mm. Yeah. 
Def- definitely nothing as much with as many characters saying I love you, I think. Mm-hmm. But we should probably get back to Cardcaptor Sakura. Yeah. So, uh, as I think we've implied, um, the series um, has a lot of fairly episodic plots. It's organized around two main arcs, the Cloud Card arc and the Sakura card arc. And the Cloud Card arc is Sakura attempting to capture all these Cloud Cards that are flying around her dang town, causing trouble everywhere. She succeeds. And then the Sakura arc is, wait, there's something going wrong with the cards. You need to transform them. But you don't have enough energy, so you got to do it like one by one under like situations where it's very desperate that you need to change the card now because someone is behind the scenes pulling the strings to make this all deliberately happen. So uh, if anyone was to say the Sakura card arc basically repeats the Cloud card arc, yeah, you're right. It does in a lot of ways. (laughs) I don't know if Clamp planned this all from the beginning or what, since on some level the character relationships make it seem like they plan to do whole 12 volumes from the beginning. Like Sakura and Shaoran's relationship still has a long way to go. But plot-wise, it's like, eh, didn't really need to do that. Which is part of the reason why I'm so surprised that the clear card arc is happening, because I'm like, dude, there is nothing left. <laughs> like, we can all agree, the end of the series, you know, the end of the first 12 volumes, it feels like a really concise ending. Mm-hmm. It's really mm-hmm. wrapped everything up. Yeah, no, okay. I'm sure we'll have yeah. some hot takes for clear card. Hot take is boring. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I prefer that first arc, too. It just, mm, Sort of the explanation for the second one, I thought was kind of like, that's it. Like, that's why all that was happening. I thought like there was some, it was something a little, how do I, how do I, a little more dire, kind of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was a little more high stakes instead of like, "Mm, we just, you know, you just needed the extra push. I'm like, really? It was six volumes. It's like, "Mm, we just had to test you a little bit. I'm like, but you did that in the last six volumes. (laughs) Yeah, and one thing I really liked about the series, and this is true for um, all 12 volumes, is just how much fun the series seems to be in a lot of ways. Like, Sakura is always getting into, you know, incidents where the card is causing trouble. But it always seems like she's kind of having fun, especially Tomoyo and Strau run around. They, they've got genuine challenges in front of them where they have to be like, well, we're stuck in a maze. How do we get out of a maze? Well, maybe we can just cut down the walls. Yeah, let's try that. Just very much appealed to me. I... I it's almost got a sense of humor in the way that the stories unfold that um, I just really liked. It was, it was it was a fun series. I think it's definitely my favorite Clamp series out of everything they've done. And I've read close to everything they've done by this point. I think uh, the the art, too, really contributes to it just feeling fun. Like the, It just seems like Clamp likes to dress their characters up. Sakura's mm-hmm. constantly got different outfits. Uh, the line work, I guess, is like really kind of thin. At least I remember when I was a kid coming from Sailor Moon straight into Card Capture Soccer, it was like a a stark difference. Um, and it just really helped with like the overall ribbon, flowery, shoujo uh sort of look of the series. I mean, they definitely uh, pull out all the stuff when it comes to stuff. There are, um, so I read the series on digitally because it's actually on sale. Um, and I multiple times i'm like oh i've got to take a screenshot of this it's so cute or i remember this and it's there's like tons of color pages and the omnibus versions as well and it's just it it i could it could the whole series could uh be like a, a sort of a coffee table book just to look at in terms of art i mean the, there's majority of the pages look look really good yeah and there were multiple art books for it um i think they came out in the u.s under tokyo pop but if they did they were long out of print and I also mm-hmm. really like the art. Um, I'm not as big a fan of Clamp's noodle people. I think it definitely works in some <laughs> situations. 
like no that noodle people it's a scientific name for it uh, i definitely think it works like in some places in holic but definitely not everywhere i think that this um, more cuter style works better and i think part of that is that um clamp is a four-person team and there's two people who do the art and i think part of this change has been a shift in um artistic um duties like who's drawing more of the characters who's drawing more of the background i think that might have been what happened over the years yeah, I, I think that's i remember reading that somewhere that yeah somewhere in there that they, they shifted and yeah it changed it i read that somewhere a long time ago <laughs> mm-hmm. although i do remember Corey, you were tweeting recently about toya's eyebrows which were looking particularly dangerous in that <laughs> screenshot you took yeah that was in the face. first volume uh they were quite thick they have uh <laughs> tamed themselves since then, I guess. <laughs> yeah, some of the male designs, especially in the early volumes, look very 90s in some ways. Like, they don't have pompadours, but they've got, like, the real broad shoulders and the very pointed chins. Uh-huh. Like, one thing I've noticed looking at the clear card designs is that mostly everyone looks the same, but Yue's got, like, this softer face. It's, like, a little more round. I'm like, no, like, where where's his hard edges gone? Like, he's, he's softened. <laughs> Everyone's softened. Ellen, have you read uh, both versions of Card Guy Sakura, as in the, the Tokyo Pop and the Dark Horse versions? I have not, since I got the Tokyo Pop volumes quite a bit ago, and they haven't fallen apart on me yet, so I haven't replaced them. Also, I'm just not as big a fan of omnibuses. They're too big for my hands. Mm. <laughs> small. I need small books, please. <laughs> but no, so I haven't read it, so I don't know if any of the translations are different. I assume that they are. Um, I can't imagine Dark Horse stuck with the old Tokyo Pop translations. Yeah. But I never had a large problem with them in the first place. I'm more interested to see like what they do with things like Wish, where Wish had some definite problems with the pronouns in that series. So no, no, in Wish they decide they decide to arbitrarily like gender all the characters one gender and all the other characters another gender when they canonically don't have genders. Yeah, that's definitely a, a series we'll have to we'll have to talk about at some point too. Yeah, but my my Tokyo Pop volumes are definitely falling apart somewhere. I don't have them on me now, but they. They were definitely falling apart with pages coming out of them and stuff, so I'm glad that the Dark Horse re-released it. But I can't remember what the major differences are besides the obvious like color pages and stuff because there's a lot of them. So, see, I've got some of the earlier editions, and those did come with color pages. Like some of mine even came with like these pull-out um, full oh, color, yeah. like like hardstock bookmarks as well. Yeah. That's- that's right, yeah, yeah. The latter six, I think, had the little, like, fold-out poster. I completely forgot about that. I think my set yeah. of the first six had those as well, but for the first six, um, they they also put them out in, like, two little box sets of little three boxes. each, that's and those what I got, yeah. Oh, that's been so long ago. <laughs> yeah, they're nice little boxes, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's been a super long time ago. I'm kind of curious uh, when it originally came out for Tokyo Pop. I can find it very quickly. I don't know. Yeah, I was wondering... Uh what kind of translation differences they would have between them uh, because I'm sure it is a different translation and like some of the things that Tokyo Pop did uh, I posted at least two of them on Twitter so I was just like very puzzled by them one of them was like just a weird lettering thing with the bubbles and I don't remember what the other one was off the top of my head yeah uh, weird letters and weird lettering bubbling definitely sounds like a Tokyo Pop thing that probably cleaned up yeah, if we ever happen to be in a place where one of us had both volume, both copies at the same time, I'd definitely be interested in seeing what some of the translation differences are. Yeah, I'll have I, to I wonder see. if yeah, they, like, standardize some of the spelling. Because I remember, like, the spelling for, like, Caravaris changed. Like, sometimes it was with a C and sometimes it was with a K, so... Oh, I don't remember that. Uh, I guess I didn't look at the spelling of Caravaris that close. 
But they did spell UA with an H at the end one time. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> Y'all are like really jogging my memory here. It's been a long time ago. The uh, the very old Tokyo Pop mix ones on here on Amazon said they came out in like 2001. So I would have been 14 or something at the time around then. So it's, it's been a while ago. And they actually do, at least on here, have some of the old pages from Tokyo Pop like on Amazon. I mean, they're pretty small, so they're hard to read. <laughs> but um, there are a few of the old pages on here. Gosh, I haven't looked at these in years. But yeah, it's good that this, this got a re-release. Uh, it, it, it's good that uh, other people got to pick that up and uh, take a look at it. Praise be Dark Horse. And if Dark Horse wants to license those art books by any chance, um, yeah, I will buy those. I'm just saying, Clamp's got some really pretty art that I'd like to have. They really, of. they really, they really do. They really have nice art. And then they do all the crossover pictures, and yeah, those are cool. Yeah, as long as they're just crossover pictures, not crossover entities. But <laughs> like I said, I have a lot, I have a lot more issues with more recent Clamp stuff. And part of the reason I liked Card Capture Soccer is that it was its own contained series. Until they start doing weird stuff in Subasa. Like it's it was twelve yeah. volumes, it was a complete story, an independent cast. And I just really liked that nice completeness at the end. It I feel like that's also something that would very much appeal to kids, you know. Good adventures, but never too dangerous. You're never too worried that a character is going to, you know, die or get into serious trouble. It's nice and contained. Um, I can definitely see why this has been popular with all age groups. Like it's a solid magical girl series, I think. And it yeah. also reminds me that um, I've been reading a couple of the newer, like, dark and edgy Magical Girl series for reviews over at the OSG, and they all love to bash on just how stupid a lot of Magical Girl tropes are, but I'm pretty sure Cardcaptor Sakura poked fun at some of its own ideas at times. Like, there's definitely a joke at one point about why do you think the card, why do you think Sakura's ceiling staff is this cute pink thing? Because we knew a girl would be using it, so we purposely designed it to be cute. <laughs> it is very cute. <laughs> Well, I could probably go on about Card Capture Soccer, but I'd probably be getting a little more into spoiler territory than we really want to do for this podcast. So do either of you guys have any more closing thoughts? Um, it's cute. Uh, I think it's it's worth reading as like one of those sort of classic series, at least in terms of like U.S. manga. Um, I know it's it has to have been like within one of the first three manga series that I ever read. So I, it's nice to uh, finally finish it and read it all uh, just to finally see uh what it was all about. So I, if you if you've been into manga for a while, it is uh, something cute to pick up just to kind of see where things started, at least here. And it's one of those classic series where you don't have to be like, well, things have changed since then. Like, no, you're, we thought the relationships were weird at the time too. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, although, it, and it just I, it's just totally funny, and it popped into my head just now. There's this scene in the manga where Tomoyo sends Sakura a fax. And I feel like that is like one of the most dated things I saw. And I was like, she contacted her via fax? Like to tell her to come to a festival or something the next day. I'm like, but people don't do that anymore. It's worth picking up for things like that. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit older. They've got smartphones in the new anime now. I know. Uh, I agree with everybody else. I really liked uh, being able to revisit this in manga form, which felt like a very different story. Then the anime, since it was uh, relatively convinced, condensed compared to the uh, filler-filled anime. Um, <laughs> and it's good to be able to finally read some Clamp. I know uh, I was very interested in after seeing 
your panel at Otacon Helen, but I was not as zealous as Chris was in uh, just going out and buying some volumes. I still can't believe I convinced him to read that many series like immediately. <laughs> well, with that, I think we're going to be taking a quick break, and then we'll be back with spiders. Lots of spiders. <laughs> Only one spider. <laughs> everybody we're back um for the second half of manga in your ears and now we're going to talk about spiders since that seems to be uh the new thing uh, going around uh the second half we're going to talk about giant spider and me a post-apocalyptic tale um there's one volume out by seven seas um and the series is written by kikuri morino um it is basically about a young girl named nagi and a giant spider um, who eventually is named Asa. Um, I don't think that the spider, at least at this point, uh, has a particular gender, so the, the spider is just known as Asa. Um, but Nagi lives in some sort of post-apocalyptic world. I, don't, I can't remember if um, that's been explored a whole lot, but she's basically um, by herself. Uh, she's fairly young, um, and I think that her dad is maybe gone I can't remember if he was on a trip or he's he's just not there with her. So she's by herself a lot. She cooks uh, by herself a lot and generally takes care of herself. Um, and then one day she basically runs into a giant spider. Um, she sort of doesn't know what to do with the spider, but you can kind of tell that she'd like the company. Um, and eventually uh, the spider does um, sort of come home with her. And it's uh, basically a slice of life series um, about them just sort of hanging out and cooking and sort of figuring out the best way to communicate with each other because Asa uh, can't speak. Um, so it's sort of Nagi learning how to communicate with her and how they can get with the spider that is and how, um, they can, they can get along in this world sort of by themselves. Um, when we, the three of us, rather, when we talked about uh, this particular series for this week, I'm like, really, the series about the spider? Mm-hmm. But, when, but when, but when I picked it up, it's 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 really cute. I mean, I I I, I want to read another volume of this. Um, there's definitely <laughs> also um, another thing is the cooking aspect, which I wasn't expecting. So there's like uh, sprinkled throughout the series, there's like cooking recipes. Um, there's that aspect of it. Food manga these days. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, but I don't know what you all thought of it. I was pleasantly surprised. It, it's pretty cute and it's a fast read. So what did you all think? Yeah, I was. Pleasant. I didn't have time. <laughs> Helen. Oh, that's right, uh, Helen. <laughs> what did you think, Corey? <laughs> yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by it as well. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of spiders. Uh. Oh, I- so, like, I didn't want to read it at all, just because I didn't <laughs> want to, like, be repulsed away from the spider, but, uh, as you... Wait, which one of us suggested this title, then? I think it was me, just because <laughs> Dana told me to read it. Like, who suggested this? <laughs> and it was something new that was out. 
But yeah, as as you read through the volume, the spider becomes less like repulsive in a spider sense, <laughs> and more intriguing in an in a mammal-ish sense. Uh, there are some creepy moments where like it has its mouth open and it's about to bite some food, and uh, there are some cuter moments where it's just like kind of rolling around. Or playing with uh, with Nagi as as any pet would, um, but there are, uh, to add some some detail, uh, Nagi's father is apparently on a trip that he said he will be back, and he's just not <laughs> back yet. Um, Standard anime. Yeah, and uh, it appears that there was. Uh, was civilization as we know it at one time, but something unknown happened to it, and it appeared. It seems like it's uh, all flooded now. There's a double page spread where uh, you just see a city in the background, while Nagi is pointing at some acorns, and uh, the city is just underwater. And she says her dad was alive when the city was not underwater, so this this isn't that long ago, unless her dad is like particularly old. We haven't seen him yet. Um, and they do refer to Seven Seas refers to the spider as they or them throughout the series because the spider doesn't have a particular gender, so they're just using the singular they, which is cool. Uh, but other than that, yeah, it's just like kind of a Slice of lifey, cute cooking manga about a giant spider and a girl. I was pleasantly surprised. That's a that's a lot of different ways to explain one series as a giant spider and it's cooking and it's slice of life and it's yeah. apocalyptic, but it somehow it all works just in this um, just in this short volume. I didn't like. I was a little worried about like reading about a spider, but I feel like she's the author at least has like like rounded the spider out enough and made made them cutesy enough to where it's not like oh god like initially maybe the first time you see them it's like mm, it's a spider and it's huge but i think there's a little from what i can remember she talks a little bit about uh the character design of the spider at the end of the volume and that she kind of i think she uh worked on it multiple times to make sure that the spider wasn't super Spidery. So. Uh, yeah, in the back she says, technically speaking, Asa isn't exactly a spider. Asa opens their mouth and eats food that way, and it just has a, a photo of the spider with it, the mouth open. Real spiders only have fangs outside their mouth. They don't have any teeth inside their mouth for chewing, and Asa mm-hmm. definitely does have teeth inside their mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, I, she says, I guess the biggest difference is Asa doesn't spin s- silk from their bum. Ah. <laughs> well, on the back of that first volume, too, it says, what does it say? It says, there's a thing on here. It says, A Web of Friendship, which I just, I really appreciated that somebody thought to put that on the back copy because that's cute. But then if the spider doesn't actually spin webs, then, but <laughs> I still thought the copy on the back was cute. I don't know if, if there's like a spider, like, theme going around because this is like the second or third spider series that i've heard of i have no yeah idea. there's it's not my fault i'm a spider i think and then there's <laughs> multiple series with spider girls and their monster girls i think oh my gosh no. <laughs> I think that's sexy. 
<laughs> I just wonder uh, what, like, what might have prompted this license. Like, did somebody? I don't know if it has anything to do with any of the others. She was like, hmm, that looks like that's picking up. Maybe we'll get this. I mean, this is cute. Um, but I just, it wouldn't have been like something that I would have, you know, been clamoring for on a license survey or whatever. So I don't know. Yeah, this doesn't spring to mind as something <laughs> that uh, anyone that I know would immediately want to read. But I guess there's been a lot of good word word of mouth uh, talk going on about Giant Spider with me. So Dana picked it up from our comic book shop and she really liked it. Then I read it and I really liked it. Uh, yeah, it is for uh, about two-thirds or three-fourths of the volume. It's just Asa and Nagi, but a third character is introduced, who is just uh, a dude looking for shelter from the storm that's going on right then. Uh, and so far, I think he's only had like a chapter or a half a chapter of exposure, so we don't really have a read on him, besides that he's a traveling merchant, and he sees that Asa and uh, Nagi have a close connection because Nagi is able to understand Asa to some extent despite um, despite Asa being a spider <laughs> uh, <laughs> and there is uh, some some mentions of a larger civilization because she has she mentions that she has to go to town and get some groceries mm. for food so uh, other people do exist but it appears that she doesn't interact with them all that often but they, they are aware that she lives alone in the forest yeah, it's reminding me, from what you guys are saying, it sounds like a lot of, like, general ideas and themes we're seeing in a lot of fantasy manga these days. Like, mm. it's not quite isekai, but it's not your usual high fantasy either. But it's also not quite low fantasy. It's just sort of fantasy that feels a lot like Earth in some ways. And you've got the slightly dystopian past. And then you've got the food aspect. So it, it kind of feels like a bit of a mashup of a lot of things that are really hit it in right now. That's true, and that might have been part of what prompted uh, Seven Seas Seven Seas to grab it, is because of that. Because, yeah, I think... I think oh, I thought this one was the Empress. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure... Yeah, this one's Seven Seas. Oh, yeah, never mind. But the, um, uh, that probably is, is what prompted it. Uh, at least part of what prompted it, anyway. Um, it's sort of that different world, but kind of the same, and then you have the cutesy, the cutesy kind of sidekick. Um, and then, um, this, the stakes come up a little bit at the end of the first volume. I think it's really the end of the first volume that was kind of like, oh, well, now I have to know what happens. I didn't, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, you get to the end, and then I was like, oh, is that how it ends? Like, now I have to know what happens in book two about the spider. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't think I was going to need to when I picked it up, but once you get to the end, you're like, there's, I, I think a lot of it is that you get attached to the spider. <laughs> so <laughs> when you get to the end of the first book, it's like, oh, now I've got to know. So, yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned a cutesy sidekick character. Would either of you guys buy any merchandise of Asa then? So do you no. know they've got to be selling some? I would not. Mm, I might. I mean, the spider's not that bad. I mean, it's kind of cute. Or he's not going to go for it. <laughs> yeah, or he's not having any of this. On the page is enough for me. <laughs> there's like the the well on the front cover it's like green but like that fuzzy spider stuff I could the spider could be less fuzzy but I still think it's cute <laughs> <laughs> it can be our, our podcast mascot just recording no. <laughs> no. our podcast mascot is Lisa Lisa from JoJo's wait who's that she's on our header oh 
Like, why? We wouldn't review judgments. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that sometime as well. Try to find oh. some someone that was cool. <laughs> Spiders are cool, boy. <laughs> well, it is unlikely that you'd have a chance to buy much merch anyway, since we all know the American convention scene. Uh, they do fan art, a very popular series, but not underrepresented manga. I'm not bitter or anything. <laughs> I imagine this one is gonna um gonna fly under the radar a little bit. Hopefully, the podcast will help a little bit with that. But um, or if it gets an anime at some point, it, I, yeah. I could see getting like a very short, like uh, maybe like one of those short. Here's you know six or twelve minutes of me and the spider. So I can see something like that every week. Yeah, uh, <laughs> or one of those ones that are full length episodes, but two shorter episodes within that. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love Pop Team Epic. <laughs> I did not see Pop Team Epic. But yeah, I don't know if if uh, you and I have any final thoughts. It's a it's a it's one volume, so there's only so much that we can say um, about this. And before, did you have any final thoughts? I don't think anything specific about the manga, but if you're hesitant hesitant about it because of the spider or because it looks kind of weird, then uh, definitely at least pick it up and flip through a few pages, read a chapter, see what you think about it, and uh, you might change your mind about it. Man, why are y'all trying to make me read the series about spiders? Why? <laughs> I don't like spiders. It's worth a flip through, but if you have like a super fear of spiders, then nah. I mean, a spider is still a spider. It doesn't matter how you round it out or make it green it's still a spider okay there was like one time when i was four and i was wearing a turtleneck and i felt something in my arm and i pulled up my sleeve and there was a spider on my arm uh, underneath my sleeves uh, and i've never forgiven spiders for that (laughs) i mean because if you well i mean if you remove the spider then it's it's your standard post-apocalyptic slightly foodie series um but again if if you're curious about it i would at least uh, flip through it um but i guess that that uh, wrap this up for the week. Um, where can we find you all online? Well, there's obviously the podcast Twitter at Manga in Your Ears, where if anyone wants to have suggestions for the next clamp series we should make Corey read, please drop them there. I'm thinking Wish, but I could be persuaded otherwise. Or if anyone has suggestions or, for like anything that we should cover, we often struggle <laughs> with thinking of what to do. Yeah. Yeah. The, we're, we're just so overwhelmed by so much manga, it's hard to pare it down at times. It is. It is freedom of choice mm-hmm. yeah otherwise you can find me uh, with even more clamp hot takes if anyone wants any more of those on my twitter at wandering dreamer and you can also find me over at the oasg getting some reviews out talking crap on the oasg podcast you know all the good stuff i'm on twitter at impassionate k and i do another podcast called the taiku podcast t-a-i-i-k-u uh which is also where the manga in your ears episodes are housed taikupodcast.com um, and you can find me on Twitter at Mangia Red. Uh, I'm randomly on there sometimes tweeting pictures from manga or retweeting random things. Um, so you can find me there. Um, but again, uh, thank you all for listening. And we will catch you all in two weeks if we can figure out uh, two new series. So mm-hmm. drop uh, in the in the Twitter replies and let us know what you all would like to hear. Talk to you soon.
kind of dark green. Shadow wood, sword, thunder, power, sleep, card, gathers of the cloud, expect the unexpected now. The secrets of the cloud were all a mystery. But when this mighty book was open, the powers were set free. Card captors, a mystic adventure. Card captors, a quest for all time. Each card possesses a power all its own. We got to find them to bring the power home. Card captors, a mystic adventure. Card captors, a quest for all time.